beyond thrilled. That's where you're going to pick up a little bit of my Southern vernacular there. Uh, when I say we are tickled to have you, uh, you're not able to see our church family in front of you. And hopefully the day will change where you get to, but, um, I want you, as we kind of move through this, uh, I've told the church already, this is not my forte. I'm not a televangelist. Um, I feel like a radio DJ with my microphone in front of me. <laughs> so this is not uh, something that I think is, is our comfort zone, and we always seem to clarify that. But in that, in that vein of understanding that we are living in unprecedented times, um, I'd like to kind of get your take as, as an evangelist that is traveling, that has been uh, internationally involved, that has preached in quite a diverse group of churches across this nation. Uh, why don't you open up and just kind of uh, introduce kind of what evangelizing has been looking like for you during this time? Sure. Well, first of all, it's an honor, obviously, to, to be with you and for those that are viewing uh, that make up your congregation. And I will say uh, I've been able to uh, keep up with different reports that have taken place. And, of course, the Claiborne's are very good friends of mine. Uh, the last time I was in the Northwest was for their wedding. And so they've relayed testimonies. And so I do feel like I've been able to uh, share from afar uh, in what has been taking place. Uh, place. And so it's been exciting. So to have this time uh, with you to be able to talk and to minister and to be able to share this time with the Antioch family is, uh, is very special to me. And uh, these last few weeks, these last few um, months have been interesting. Um, on a practical note, everything uh, started to unfold with the coronavirus and travel restrictions uh, begin to take place and different uh, churches found themselves having to uh, navigate how they were going to respond uh, with online church, with meeting in parking lots, with a meeting in smaller groups, uh, as everything was so fluid and uh, changing. And so uh, I found myself all of a sudden being thrust and doing uh, quite a few live stream services where I was still able to um, go um, and be a part on site, but obviously uh, with a very small crowd of media and sound. And so I have a little bit of the best of both worlds and then found myself uh, sending in some pre-recorded videos, uh, which was very, very different. And then, of course, jumping on uh, Zoom and Crowdcast and different uh, things such as this. And so um, it's definitely been a different. It's been unique, uh, but it's also been beautiful to see the church rise up and yeah. in creativity um, match the moment in in how they have just made it happen. Every, everyone that's been praying behind the scenes, those that are, um, you know, figuring out uh, how to upload something to social media and just really to see the church uh, pull together and not just survive, but thrive through this moment uh, has really been amazing to watch. And obviously that doesn't under, or that doesn't do away with underscoring the fact that um, while I do believe that um, the church has risen to the occasion. We're also, we're ready to, to get back and assemble together and, and um, see our brothers, see our sisters yeah. and, and feel the strength of the body. Yeah. You know, you mentioned something that, and uh, I'm, I'm starting to enjoy this. I'm finding, I did a podcast recording the other day for a uh, counseling team. And uh, it, it seems like it takes a few minutes to kind of catch your speed and I'm catching my speed here. Um, you know, you mentioned something about pre-recording uh, a message, which a lot of pastors have been doing, a lot of evangelists have been doing, and I think about the juxtaposing that with the reality that a lot of what the Apostle Paul had to say was never said in the present moment that he was articulating thought to pen, okay. and I see a lot of of comparison to, let's say, the Corinthian church um, that, that is very likened to what we're doing today. And a lot of people look at it and they say, well, man, pre-recording a message, well, you know, how are you going to have a move of God with a pre-recorded sure. message? How, how are you going? I mean, God's word, let's be honest with ourselves, traditionally, we have compressed the word of God into a paradigm 
that can only take place behind a pulpit at a certain specific moment in a church service. Typically, if we're going to be Pentecostal traditionalist here, two songs, offering, one song, introduce the preacher. He has a word followed by the altar call. Right. But Paul many times wrote his letters and he said, I've longed to be with you. I wish I could have said this to you in person, but he was giving them. And this just really, as you were talking, began to come to me. He was giving them his modern days pre-recorded word from God. And by the time it got to them, the medium who was the apostle Paul was no longer the messenger that articulated the words that were written in those epistles to the churches. So it was kind of like a game of telephone. Paul wrote it, wanted (laughs) to be there. And then they gave that epistle to, we would say, let's say Timothy, who read that to to the, uh, the men that were present in the church. And they gathered around and they read those epistles out loud. So in a sense, there is a comparable uh, parallel between what we're doing and what they're doing. One of the things that I would like to know, because we're not guaranteed, Brother Gore, that this isn't going to happen again. Sure. We're all looking at light at the end of the tunnel. We're all thinking we're coming back together. But as ministers of the gospel, we've gotten very creative. We have prayed about things we've pre-recorded. Um, and I know you have as well. I have, uh, when I first started doing this, I felt a little foolish kneeling down and praying before I recorded my Bible study and put it up online and said, okay, God, let this Bible study, let it have an effect, let it move on somebody. But while I'm pre-recording, the Holy Ghost is moving on me. Yes. And I'm wanting to cry. I'm wanting to give an altar call, but there's nobody there for an altar call. And I think Paul felt the same way. How do we, and we're kind of skipping around on some of the points that I want to cover with you, but how do we make our homes that sanctuary that during this unique time, what if we find ourselves doing this again and we are having to listen? What if our pastor's in prison as the apostle Paul was? What if we are having to get the word of God in unorthodox means and ways? We're hungry for it. How do we translate that to our homes and and turn our homes into the sanctuary like we do at the church in the house of God? Sure. Well, you know what's so amazing about all of this is that right now, your voice as pastor and my voice as part of the fivefold ministry coming alongside you is being literally heard in someone's home. Someone's home is hearing the word of God. And um, just as Paul said, I may be bound, but the word of God is not bound. Yeah. And so it's so beautiful to see the release of the word that is happening. And when we end this tonight, this will stay on YouTube. And it may be that part of 21st century testimonies is that I jumped on a YouTube and the Lord began to lead me and I came across an archived sermon, an archived message, a podcast from the ministry of Antioch. And that's where the Lord began to deal with me about baptism. That's where the Lord began to deal with oh, me yeah. about the spirit. So there's just, there's, there's no telling. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very, um, I'm very emphatic about the importance of the home. And this scenario has caused us to actually have to live in our homes. Yeah. For so many of us, uh, our home is a place of transit. It's a place where we come and go. We, 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 we come to sleep at night. We leave uh, for work in the morning. We come back late. Um, let's be honest, at times we found our home to be a place of chaos. Uh, it's, it's, it's been a place where perhaps there's been an absence of peace or even the presence of God. And, and there's nothing like coming together and feeling the strength of the body. Uh, but this this crisis, this, this season has caused us to have to be and live at our homes and to really That's come um, to grips with what is living at our homes, what we have allowed to thrive. And uh, I was thinking about this and my mind went back to a story in the Old Testament. The Bible uh, lets us know in First uh, Kings chapter three, that there is a woman who has no doubt, like every other girl, um, wanted to have a child of her own and wanted to be a mother. And the scenario is far from perfect, but she has a child. 
And it's what she's dreamed of, no doubt. It's what she's prayed for. It's what she's lived for. And the Bible says that in the middle of the night, 1 Kings 3 uh, tells us this story. I want you to go back and read it. She wakes up in the middle of the night to this horror of a reality that her dream, her future, her, her child is not living, is, is breathless. And she's, she's just getting up to feed it. It's, it's, it's just normal life. It's normal motherhood. And all of a sudden she wakes up, her child is, is dead and she, she's freaking out. She's frozen in fear. No doubt she does not know what to do. But the Bible says that as dawn begins to break with every beam of sunshine comes a ray of revelation. And all of a sudden she begins to scrutinize that child. She looks at his eyebrows, its fingers, its eyes. And all of a sudden she realizes this is, this is not my, this is not my child. My child is not dead. It's only been stolen. And so mm. she rushes to the court of a higher power. She goes, and I'm going to bring this together. She rushes to the court of a higher power. She goes to a higher authority. She goes to King Solomon. She begins to make a petition to him. And she tells him, there was no stranger in my home, but I had a friend. And in the middle of the night, something devious and demonic took place. In the middle of the night, my friend woke up and suffocated her child. And she came and she swapped my child for hers. And I may, if I can be so bold, I already can yeah. feel the presence of the Lord. I feel the witness yeah. in this. I want you to stay with me for just a minute. All of a sudden, she begins to petition the king. And look who shows up. All of a sudden, the thief comes into that same throne room. I want you to understand she said, there was no stranger. There was no stranger in my home. I just had a friend. Stealers rarely look like stealers. And thieves rarely look like thieves. There's things that want to encroach into our home life, into our marriage, our mind, and our family. And they rarely look demonic. It normally yeah. looks warm. It normally looks friendly. And if, 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 if not careful, it can even look motherly. What does that mean? That, that, that means just uh, that means giving your child uh, just Internet access, thinking, you know what, I, I, I need I need something yeah. other than myself to babysit my child. It's going to be harmless. What could go wrong? It's only Google. It's only YouTube. It's only the World Wide Web. I'm just yeah. trying to be practical here. And all of a sudden, the adversary uses something that we deem as friendly, that we deem as safe to bring a stealer into our home environment. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, she is before the king. She is making that petition known. And that stealer is in the same room with her. And it's no different than when we come to God in prayer. We march boldly into the throne room of grace. And if not careful, I've, I've heard people say, you know, I go to God in prayer. And, or perhaps I even come to church in our local assembly. And I feel like those those thoughts of suicide come with me. I feel like those thoughts of, of lust come with me. I, I feel like those, that baggage of, of my past comes with me. You know what I do? I celebrate that. People look at me bewildered. They're, 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 they're at a loss. Why am I yeah. still feeling this? I celebrate that because what may can be gotten away with in your home is not going to be able to get away in the presence of yeah. the Lord. And what may be hidden in your decisions of your past and in your day-to-day -day home life will be exposed in the presence of the Lord for what it yeah. is. So all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the king now, now, king now has to decide. He's, he, there's two mothers, there's two babies. One is uh, full of life, one is lifeless. And now in his all-knowing wisdom, he has to figure out who the real mother is. And there's so much I want to say here. But I want to, I want to, uh, I promise I'm going to bring this all together. But one of the things that, that the real mother says, she says a phrase, it's a little nuance in the text, that the, that the stealer, that her friend, that the other mother does not say, the real mother says these words, oh, Lord. I don't know about you, but I've had a whole lot of oh, Lord moments in my life. Ooh. And this is the point that I want to make. It does not matter if you just got into the faith. It does not matter if, if you feel like, oh, my word, don't, don't get too direct. My, my home life is, is, is a place that I'm not too proud of. I want to remind every single person 
you have vocabulary and you have verbiage and you have words that the stealer does not have. You can say, God, forgive me. The stealer can't say that. Yeah. You can say, God, help me. The stealer can't say that. You can say, God, deliver me from this porn addiction. You can say, God, I need your mercy. I need your grace to get past this bitterness, to get past this, this jaded uh, uh, spirit. The adversary cannot say that. Cannot. The devil cannot say that. I don't want to be too simple, but you have the ability to pray. You have the ability to ask for help. You have the ability to ask God to sanctify you, to renew you, to feel you. The stealer does not have that advantage. Doesn't. So if you have words, if you have prayers that the stealer does not have, why not use them? Why not bombard the throne room of grace with words that only you have access to? So this is what happens next in the story. It's, it's pretty amazing. All of a sudden, the king says, here, th this is what we'll do. I think I know who the real mother is, but I'm going to allow my soldier to come. And he says, you know what? Take out the sword. I'm going to divide this child. I'm going to divide this future. I'm going to divide this prayer. I'm going to give one half to this mother, and I'm going to give the other half to the other mother. And all of a sudden, the stealer goes silent. She's in agreement. She's okay with this plan. But the real mother screams and shouts, no, you cannot divide this child. And all of a sudden, the king now knows who the real mother is. And so I, I preach all across the, the nation. I preach overseas. And I'll, I'll begin to preach about revival. I'll begin to preach about uh, fasting. I'll begin to preach about what God is going to do. And I do not need fresh double a batteries in my discernment to know who has the spirit of motherhood because when your pastor oh can preach vision when an evangelist can come in and preach on revival if you can be silent about it you can be quiet about it you probably didn't give birth to it but you watch the elder that slips up a yeah. hand can't oh, jump, yeah. that can't run but she begins to amen that leadership because you know what she said that's my baby that's yeah. my prayer. That's my prophecy. I've been praying for that. Ooh. I've given birth to that. I have ownership. Now watch what happens. She says you can't divide it because she understands that a dead that a half baby is no different than a dead baby. Yeah. And she understands that a half dream is no different than no dream. And half a prayer life is no different than no prayer life. And half commitment is no different than no commitment. So she says you cannot divide it. And I, I want to bring something to your attention. That baby, that future is safer in the hands of the stealer than it is divided. And so in this moment, there is ample room for division to creep into our world, our mindset, our life. Yeah. But I'm telling you, hell and the stealer has never stopped God, never. but division and allowing the dream, allowing our church, allowing our leadership to be divided, that stopped us a whole lot of times. And so she knew if it's divided, it's not wow. going to work, but it's safer in the hands of the enemy right now, because I know the king, I know the king will do something. So let's hurry on. All of a sudden, the king knows, he knows, he tells the baby to be delivered into the hands of, of the real mother. And this is what I really want to bring your attention to. This is where scripture ends, but the story does not. All of a sudden now, this mother whose baby, whose child, whose future has been restored into her now has to make a trip back home with the stealer. Now, I want to know what you think happens. Do you think they just go home and, and they just waltz back into the house and, 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 they, and, and she puts the baby to sleep and, and, and they stay up and talk over a late night bowl of fruity pebbles? Oh, no. I don't think that's what happens. I think I think what happens is that with fire in her eyes, she begins to widen that gap between her and the stealer as they make their way home. And all of a sudden, she, she begins to put that, that, that baby in, in a room. She begins to lock the door. And all of a sudden, she begins to throw out luggage. She begins to throw out shoes. She begins to throw out sheets. She begins to throw out every little thing that belongs to that stealer. And I, I see the stealer saying, hey, hey, don't be too emotional. Yeah. Hey, hey, calm down. Let's, let's negotiate. Allow me to have a yeah. few days. And she says, no, 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 no. I'm making a decision. And the Bible says in Ephesians, let him that stole steal no, no more. more and neither give place to the devil. She goes back to her home environment. 
This is what's so key. It doesn't matter the moments of deliverance that we have in the presence of God over a live stream or, or, or in a Sunday service where, where the evangelist is preaching or where, where pastor is speaking into our lives. What, what, what good is it if things are restored back into us? But when we go back home, we go back home with the very thing that stole it from us in the first place. So this is just allow me to, to use my imagination just a little bit. All of a sudden, that child grows up. That child doesn't stay little. And all of a sudden, that child comes to its mom and he or she says, you know, I, I just I just wanted to ask you, there's there's a rip in the carpet. And 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 I, I went to move a, a a picture in my room and man, there's someone's busted through the sheetrock. And you know, I opened my blinds the other day and I realized my window is more duct tape than it is window. And I see that mother getting on her knees and saying, baby. Let me tell you about, let me tell you about a struggle. Let me tell you about a decision. You see, there used to be a stealer. I know I, I let it live in this house for a while. And I, I, the wool was pulled over my eyes and I didn't see things clearly, but I, I began to see things more clearly. And you know what? I made a decision that my, my, my dream, my baby, my future and the stealer weren't going to live in the same house. And so it is for us. We have a decision because I want to tell you, and I really feel the unction of the Lord. Our yeah. prophecies, Antioch, are growing up. Our revival is growing yeah. up. Our future is growing up. The, the ministry that God has for some of you are first generation. God's got ministry for your kids. God's got ministry yeah. for your future. And I, this is what I want to know. When that revival grows up, it's going to ask you. When that, that dream goes up, when these prophecies and prayers grow up, it's going to ask you in the spirit, did you fight for me? And I want to mm. be able to say with a clean conscience, even in the middle of a quarantine, even in the middle of a pandemic, you know what? I, I could have gotten carnal. I could have gotten bitter. I could have gotten back on the drugs. I could have went back to, to the poor and I could have, I, I could have went to the excuses, but I made a decision that my future, my baby, my church, my revival, my, my prayers, my prophecies were more valuable than the stealer. So we have to make a decision that our home is conducive for the things that God is wanting to emanate and to grow in our life. Is, is our home a safe place for the anointing that he's placing on us? Is, yeah. is our home a safe place for the vision that pastor is casting? And uh, again, forgive me if you'll allow me. I just, mm. just want to pause on this a little longer. And it, it's, it's no different than when Jesus in Matthew 21 Go back and read it. Matthew 21, Jesus comes to his house. And what does he find? He finds it overran with thieves. And you know what he says? He said, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Yeah. But you have made it. Listen to this, Amy, y'all. You have made it a den of thieves. So I, I don't want to be too rude or mm. crass, but it really doesn't matter what we call ourselves. Because Jesus mm. says, I've called this something, but I, I'm not coming to what I've called it. I'm coming to what you've made it. Mm. So what, what, is that, what is that difference between what God calls us, what our pastor speaks over us, and what we are making our home Monday through Saturday? What, what's that chasm? What's that gap between God calling us holy, God calling us pure, God calling us his, God calling us righteous, God calling us people of prayer, people of holiness, people of worship? What is that gap between what he is called, calling us, ordaining for us to be, and what we are making our homes, what we are making our marriages day in and day out? And I end on this segment of our conversation with this. Jesus begins to violently kick out those Thieves. He, he takes a whip. It's one of the greatest displays of emotion seen by our Savior in Scripture. And you know what happens? I'm going to read it. Acts chapter 21. Go back and read it. Acts chapter 21, 14. He said, it's written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. You've made it a den of thieves. He kicks all of them out. And verse 14 says, the blind and the lame came and they were healed. They didn't just come. The Bible says they, were, they came to the temple. And you know what the next verse says? Verse 15. And when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying, oh my goodness, and the children crying in the temple. If you are bold enough to make the hard decision of getting accountable, 
of, of staying yeah. accountable, of cleansing your home, of allowing God and his word and his conviction to kick some things out. I'm telling you in the spirit, miracles will come back and the future will come back. And you know what those chief priests and scribes said? The Bible says that they saw the wonderful things that Jesus did. I'm guilty of looking at this story and preaching. This is the moment when God got angry. This is the moment when, when he, yeah. deity and humanity, Jesus Christ got angry. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says when they saw the wonderful things that, that Jesus was doing. Can I tell you that, that there's a moment of conviction that comes over a live stream in a service? And yeah. you know what? It's so crazy how there's some people that will leave that moment and say, I don't know why the man of God was angry. I don't know why pastor was angry. And you know what? There's other people that will go home and they will thank God and they will cry and they will intercede because if God has ever taken the stealer from your life and he's ever restored your future, you won't call him angry. You'll call him wonderful. Oh man. Wow. You know, and I'm, I'm feeling as you're talking, I'm feeling the Holy ghost and, uh, you know, part of me, I don't, I don't want to move on from this right yet. Um, you know, one of the big things that, that we have had here at Antioch and, and, and all of you that are a part of this church, you understand that me and sister Haddon have made it a major, major facet of this church. And it's not original to us, but strong churches are built upon strong families. Yeah. And the reason that we take the stands that we take in our home, the reason we take the positions we take is because our homes are to be that duplication of the sanctuary of God, like we have when we come to the house of God. And as you were talking, and uh, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, Brother Gore, you, you're going to have to get on an airplane one day, and you will be having to preach that uh, here. Um, that is powerful. Uh, it reminds me, though, in this premise, when you go back to the book of Exodus and the first Passover that was given, family in that moment, they are in a, a land that is no longer friendly to them. Right. The, the thief and the stealer has been stealing from them. And 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 the and and the 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 contrast of when they left and how they stole from the stealer in all reality is absolutely powerful. But they have been living in a paradigm and in a situation, and a lot of people that are watching right now and a lot of the church family, they know what it is to live in a world where that stealer is always coming to steal the joy, to steal the hope, to steal the, the future of our children. Right. And one of the things that stands out to me in, in really kind of adding this to what you're talking about is that first Passover that was given, we know that there was a death angel to come, and the death angel was coming to steal what? He was coming to steal the firstborn child. Right. And again, it's, 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 it's putting this in perspective, the only requisite thing that God put within the premise of safety of that child, of that firstborn, is you're going to have to put blood on the door. And when we read that story, we read the story of Exodus from this idea of, 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 of they dip this, 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 this little brush into blood and they walk up to the post of the door and they're painting it just ever so gently across the post of the door. When you read the Hebrew of that, that is not what's happening. Number one, they shut the door fast upon their family. The world's about to go chaotic outside. There's a thief on the way. And, and we know that had, had the good man been watching, had we know all the paradigms and the premises about watching, for we know not what the hour, the time that the thief comes. They didn't know when the death angel was coming. All they knew is right. that he's on his way. That if, if, if we don't shut this door, and we don't begin to, and this is what really stands out to me, and it's why what you're saying, I believe, is resonating with your spirit, and it almost brought me to tears, is because what this church in Portland is being built upon, man, I feel the Holy Ghost, yes. it's being built on families that are duplicating the power 
and the presence of God in their homes. We are shutting the doors. We're not waiting for pastor uh, in our home to be the one that mediates this, this, this protection, this safety. We're not waiting for uh, the musicians and the keyboard and the and the drum. We're not waiting for that coming together in in the in the atypical sanctuary that we're used to. Right. But it said they shut the door, and God specifically, when you look at this, He told them, "I want the head of every home." Now I want this to be clear. We live in a broken day where not every every home doesn't have a husband. Sure. And and that scripture, and I want to take this, and I want to help a single mother right now, who says I don't have a husband. I, I, you know, no, you are the head of the home. In your right. situation, it's you and the thief outside that door that's coming, and you got to slam that door. Here's what I love about that story, and uh, man, I feel the Holy Ghost. Um, the church knows me. I'm a big old, big old gruff looking on the outside, but oh man, I feel like crying right now in the Holy Ghost. They shut the door. I'm going to tell you, redemption's bloody. Um, whew, uh, pulling your family in uh, to that moment, that's bloody. Um, there's nothing clean about, about war. There's nothing clean about separation. There's nothing right. clean about redemption. And they take that lamb, the head of that home brings that lamb over. They don't have a temple to bring it to. They're shut in. They don't have uh, Bethel to go to. They don't have Jacob's house of God to go to. They have in their context and in their premise, that's the only thing they've got. And the husband, that head of the home, takes that live lamb, brings it over to the table, slices the neck of the lamb, And that family begins to watch as the blood of that lamb begins to drip into a basin at the floor. And the life of the lamb begins to die. Now, this is where people don't understand. That's being done near a table that they're going to eat at. But more than that, they take a hyssop, a brush of hyssop, which if you go to the psalmist, he said, purge me with hyssop. And there's so many correlations to that. The head of the home would put that, he would pick that bowl up and he took that brush of hyssop and he walked over and the Bible uses the word to strike. He struck the lintel of the posts of the door of his home. Now, everybody watching, I want you to get this. And brother Gore, we not might, we might not get past this subject because I feel in the Holy ghost, you <laughs> led us into this. Um, this isn't a moment of gentleness. This is not a moment of artistic creativity and keeping the blood within a two-inch perimeter around that post of the door. That word strike is the exact same word that was used when Moses took his rod and he struck the Nile River. It is a violent, it is a vehement, it is a, it is a, there's not a lot of time to waste. We can't sit around here. We've got to get blood on this door and it's not going to look pretty. It's not going to be clean. It's not going to be perfect. In fact, every home is going to leave a different pattern of that blood on the inside. So they strike it against the lentil of the post. I was studying that. And I might have said this to the Antioch family. I don't think I have. But God spoke to me one day when I was studying that. And God said, you know what they were doing? And I, you know, you know I, I don't know how God deals with you, but God asked me a lot of questions and he's, he makes me kind of bumble around like a dumb person for a while. And, and finally, no, God, what, what, what exactly were they doing? God said, I'll tell you what they were doing. They were turning their home into an altar. They didn't have Bethel. They didn't have an altar. They didn't have those places that their forefathers and ancestors went to. They were shut in. They couldn't go anywhere. They knew the thief's on his way. And so God said, the only way that we are going to safeguard and preserve the future of our family and our home, our revival, our promises, our miracles, the covenants that were given to us by Abraham is we're going to have to turn our home into an altar. We're going to have to smell blood here. We're going to have to strike doorpost here. It's going to have to happen inside of our home right here, right now. 
And, and, and I want you to talk more to this because I, I, I feel uh, those that are watching, there's a sense of frustration. And uh, as pastor, I'll be honest with you, uh, digging a workout, digging something out three years in, moving into some momentum. And all of a sudden we are, we are taken from us in this moment where we're quarantined, we're locked inside, and, and we haven't had the luxury of corporate prayer meetings like we're used to. We haven't had the luxury of that move of God created in a Sunday service when our children are starting to, they're looking through windows that are cracked open and the thief is, is, is at that window saying, hey, come on, come on. They haven't had that balance. But, but my God, we can come out of this with such an anointing and yes. such a power, but it's, it's, it's not going to be clean. And I can kind of see that we've got men in the church right now that are, okay, it's fallen on me, Brother Gore. Yeah. Pastor can't do it for me right now. Yeah. I don't have a corporate prayer meeting right now. And, and I remember, and you probably remember the first time you started, your first time you really started praying for yourself. My God, it's, it's dirty. It's unclean. It's, it's disconnected. It's disjointed. I kind of feel like that's what those, those men, they hadn't done sacrifices like that until that moment. Sure. But man, they're just bludgeoning their way through the house. I don't know if I'm getting the cut right, but we yeah. got to get some blood. I don't know yeah. if I'm hitting this door right, but we got to keep the thief out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Woo. Talk to us yeah. about this. I'm yeah. telling you, I feel the Holy Ghost. Yes, I do too. I know we're online right now, but I wonder if we could just raise our hands for uh -huh. just a moment because I Woo. feel this wanting to seep into our spirit right now. If you have the Holy Ghost, just let it out for just a moment. I want this to resonate with us right now. I really believe this is a, a kingdom Kairos moment. Oh, I worship and I magnify you right now. Every man, every woman, every husband, every wife. Oh God! Every child, God. Everybody that's watching, everybody that's here, everybody that's God connected to this God. Every person that is move into our homes, move into our families. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, oh God, open our heart tonight. I will say this. I will say this to every to every mother, to every father, whether you're in a single parent home, to every to every person that is in leadership capacity in their home. You're the head of your home. Oh God. For, for any embarrassment that that father has, for any awkwardness that the head of that home has, I, I don't know if I'm, as, as a pastor just alluded to so eloquently, I don't know if I'm doing this right. Is, is, this, is this necessary? Is this overdramatic? It's, there's a firstborn. There's a firstborn that's not tall enough <laughs> to reach. He's not, he's not old enough. He's not tall enough. He, he may not even be strong enough. To, to take that and, and to strike that door. And he's looking at a daddy. He, he's looking at a single parent saying, if you don't do this, I can't do this right now. Yeah. There are people in vulnerable states that, that, that who's, who's, yeah. who, who fall under your influence. This isn't even just in the home. This is, this is people that are coming to God. These are, these are, these are people that sit by you at church. There, there are people that are following your lead. There are people that are looking up to you that, that may not have the spiritual strength or stamina, that, that may not be where they need to be in God to, to make that sacrifice, to, to get that blood on the doorpost. But I promise you, they're screaming frantically that you do. So I, I, I have to encourage a mother, a father, a single parent. I woke up. I woke up. I'll give you a little bit of history. My, my, my mother was raised in this truth. She, she knew what truth was about. She knew the love of God from a young age. My father was not. He grew up in a very hellish uh, environment and home life. And so their lives came together. And so my mother made a decision. I want to give my children everything that I got. But my father made a decision. I want to give my children everything that I didn't get. And you know what? My parents were not perfect. They surely are not perfect. None of us are. But you know what? I woke up in the middle of the night to parents praying and travailing over me when I didn't know about the power of prayer. I, I, I wasn't at that point of having travailed for myself, interceded for myself. I, 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 
I, I'm, I'm a product of a family that said, you know what? We're going to stop everything tonight. We're going to have a little devotion. As a young kid, I didn't want to have devotion. I wanted to go outside yeah. play. I wanted to get on the game system. But my yeah. mother and father began to plant seeds into my spirit and to my siblings. And you know what they did? They said, let's clap. Let's worship. Let's praise God. I remember clapping my hands. I had no enthusiasm. I didn't know what was happening. But my parents were planting seeds because there was there was a sacrifice that needed to be made. And there was a walk with God that I was not old enough to fully understand and to, and to place into my own life. And you know what? At the end of one of those devotions, something clicked in my spirit. We began to pray. And my, my, my mother, she had a, I was six years old. She had some hearts cut out. One was white, one was black, one was red. She began to talk about the condition of our heart with sin and, and how Jesus comes through and he washes our heart with his blood and, and how now we are made as white as snow. And something clicked in my young mind and I could not get away with it. I tried to go to bed, couldn't go to bed. I came back into my parents' room and I said, I, I, just, I don't know, I, 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 need, I think I need to pray. And that night, God filled me with the gift of his spirit, not in a sanctuary, not at a church conference, not in a religious event, but in my home. You know yeah. why God did that? Number one, God wanted to. But secondly, and close to first, I, I believe they coincided. My parents did what we have been talking about. They made our home. They made the. They made our four walls a sanctuary, a, 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 a an, an altar. And I'll, I'll be honest with you today. I, I know I'm speaking to um, different uh, people with different walks with God. There are some battles that I have indeed fought because we're all human. We're all born into sin. But there's some battles that I haven't had to fight because of yeah. decisions that my mother and my father made. Now, some of you are listening and saying, ah, you're, you're feeling that guilt. You're feeling that condemnation because there's some things that, that you've had to struggle with and you've had to fight with. But you know what? God's giving you overcoming power. And I want to let you know, I, I know everyone's in a different scenario. Some of you may have children that are older. They've walked away from God. Some of you may have children that are, that are young and, 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 and they don't even understand anything about what's happening. But I want to tell you, there's going to be people in your influence, whether biological or spiritual, sons and daughters that do not have to fight certain battles because of decisions that you have made. So go ahead and have that devotion on the, in, in the middle of the week when, when the Zoom or the live stream is cut off and, and, and you can say, you know what, church is over or no. You know what, we're, we're, we're going to take up where, where Pastor left off. We're, we're going to have a time of yeah. God's presence, and we're going to open up the Word in our home. Go ahead and, and get the audio Bible on in your home. Get, get, some worship, get some worship music in your home. Have some, have, some practical, have some practical ways where you begin to, as Pastor said, duplicate what you feel on a Sunday and a Wednesday. That's yeah. what I grew up around. That's what I thank God for. Yeah. My parents, my parents yeah. didn't have an inheritance to give me. They, they, they didn't have, they didn't have tons of financial assets to give me. They, they didn't give me popularity. But you know what? I, I, I grew up in a home where, where music was being played because they knew the importance of, of environment. They, they made up in their mind, we are going to allow this place to be an altar, to be a sanctuary, to, to be a safe place to the presence of God. And if it, if, if it, if we, we, I didn't know of anybody, I didn't know of anyone else. I didn't know of any other no. home that they had worship music just playing 24 seven, that they had, that they had a Bible on audio playing. Who, who does that? Yeah. But there was something that was happening because little by little, our home was becoming stronger and stronger. And stronger. as a young boy, as a young boy, I didn't know it. I didn't know it, but I, 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 I was, I, I was not even aware, but there was battles that I was not facing. And can I just be plain with you before you think that I've just had a, a, a silver spoon life. There is already enough battles that you encounter. There's battles that I've faced that I don't know how I engaged with taste. Yeah. I don't know how they made it into, into my, in my spirit, into my life. And so trust me, there's already enough battles to fight, but as men, as women, as parents make the decision, we are going to go to war. We are going to, uh, 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 you know, I, I see the story of, of that mother and the stealer. I see that, that story of, of the man putting blood on his doorpost and, and the death angel coming. You know what I see? I see, I see 
panic. I, I see intentionality. Yeah. I yeah. see hurried speed. There, there's no delay. There's no hesitation. But there is this. Uh, there, there, there is people that are cognizant of the reality, and they're saying, you know what? If we don't do this, death is coming. Loss is coming. Pain is coming. And so, your future is too valuable. Your ministry is too great. Your your yeah. your family is too precious. The kids under your roof are are too valuable. The the spiritual kids yeah. that God has given you, the souls that you are going to win, the the people that you are impacting. This is not just about children. This is about neighbors and friends. You you have people. You may be watching this and you don't even have children, or you don't even have children under your roof, but you have spiritual influence over spiritual sons and daughters that God is wanting to bring into the kingdom through you, and it all goes back to your home life, to the to the safety of the sanctuary that you are creating day in and day out. My God, you know, I'm. Uh, this is where you wish we were together, because what I feel, God have mercy. And the church family, you know that we are not, we we've looked at these, we've done zoom things before and we've had people that have never felt the touch of God, God move on them and in zooms, you know, I'm thinking about what we're talking about in, in brother Gore, this was divinely orchestrated by God. And I think, you know, that I'm thinking about in my family and I feel to bring this up, you know, I grew up, on the pews of Pentecost, I grew up in a church with one of the most prolific uh, preachers, probably of Pentecost's last hundred years. Uh, a man that unfortunately fell from grace, walked away. I grew up with 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 the innate understanding of the deep presence of God. I remember at seven years old, laying under a pew when I was filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues for hours. I remember the sensitivity, the awareness, the culture, the, the just as a child laying in the house. And, and, and I want to, to, to put that there, and, and you touched on this, Brother Gore, the reality of things that you were just listening to subconsciously in a home that was propagating a sanctuary-like atmosphere. Right. Those become a part of who and what you are, whether you know you're paying attention or not. And I want to take that first note. I want to encourage uh, mothers and fathers that come to the church here, those that are watching, where it seems like it might seem like your children are not being affected by, by what's going on. And they're not being affected by your, your, your quiet voice and your tears that are breaking in your bedroom at night. I promise you, there is something being birthed and they're not oh, even aware yeah. of it. Right. Uh, those children, I think about that mother and you talked about that tear in the carpet and, and the window. And there were signs and evidence that that little boy grew up around. He grew up around life. And, and before he, grew, he, he was going to be taken by somebody that was, that was nothing more than death itself. That was not willing to invest. I'm willing to have half a baby. I'm willing to to, to just for the pride's sake. And it's like that father with the atonement of the home, those children, the, that family that's there, the wife that's present, the husband that's present, those things we're doing at home, while they may not have the same, what we would consider dynamic, radical, Sunday, fresh fire feeling and move of God that we have at church, don't ever underestimate that what your one little prayer voice is doing. I remember right. as a young boy hearing my mother pray. I remember to this day hearing her pray. I haven't forgotten that. We we backslid as boys. We became rebels. I remember um, God working in our lives, and, and God was dealing with my own father through that. And my father will tell the testimony of, of even times where he went a little bit astray as a father and working, uh, working hours and, and, and you name it, but I'll never forget as a backslider, 
the most pivotal moment in my life was every morning on the island of Guam where we had moved. I was drunk the night before. I was rebellious, not living for God. But I remember hearing the voice of my father on the front steps. And he's got a particular tone and he's got a particular, and we all know this about our parents. You don't forget them. And you mirror those things, Brother Gore. I'm sure that if I got around your mom and dad, I'd see a little bit of, of your mom and dad and how you walk with God. Sure. Boy, my dad will get that, that fist going and I'd hear the groan and the cry and the prayer of, oh God, oh God. I'm going to tell you something, even backslidden, yeah. a man yeah. or somebody who wasn't waiting to go to church and have the church fix it and have a Sunday service fix it, but said, you know what, I'm going to turn my home into an altar. And a mother that said, you know what, I'm not content with a half, half dead, a half of a baby. I'm can, I want a whole child. I want to, I want my boy to get a hold of a vision of what God, look, I was called at seven years old. And because of what happened in my home, um, I don't think we realize, Brother Gore, just how powerful. Yeah. That sanctuary is at home. Yeah. I, I, I just yeah. I just kind of feel like beating this dead horse for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Take us through. If you're a father and, 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 you know, I'm a father, take us through, you know, what are some ways to, to get moms and dads and young people? Tell, talk to us. What are some ways for us to do this in our home? Sure, sure. And, and this is where I think we have to get really practical. And, uh, you know, I, I, I go back to, um, you know, I, I remember, I remember going off to college and I remember coming home and literally feeling like I was walking past a blanket of peace because when I came back home, there was such a spiritual environment that was so mm-hmm. tangible. And as you just alluded to with your story, and again, I, I don't know your whole congregation. I don't know every story, but um, it, it doesn't matter if you have someone, if you have a child that's outright rebellious, atheist, that does not care, that, 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 that sees everything you're doing as a waste. There is something about having parents who pray and worship and go to God. You can't, you can't get away from it. You yeah. cannot get away with it away from it. And there, there have been moments in my, t- in my life where I felt that weakness. I, I, I felt that, that the, the, the heat and the fury of the fight of wanting to walk away, but I could, I, I, I either I, I did to a degree and came back or I could not in the full extent that I wanted to, because there was a mother and a father that would not quit fighting, quit. that would not quit engaging in the spirit and so I, I think I think we need to get really practical. I think we need to I think we need to make uh, early prayer in our homes a, a priority. There's something about your kids waking up and hearing your audible voice praying. Don't don't pray silently. Pray pray where they can hear you. Don't uh, I, I know we're told to go to a closet, but don't be afraid to go pray in your living room. Don't don't be afraid to go in your in your child's bedroom. And and I'll be honest, I. I am a 26-year-old young man, and I uh, I've been able during this season to 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 come back home and to to spend some time with my parents and my siblings during this during this Corona season and and have some family time. And I cannot tell you, I cannot tell you the 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 humbling moment and reality of of having a parent. My my parents are both 50. I'm 26. And I still relish the moments that they pray for me. They pray over me that I, that I hear their voice in another room seeking God. And so I, I think you owe your children that, that luxury. You owe that, your children that, that benefit. I would challenge you. And I, I, again, w- w- my family's not the model family, but I'm just going back to what I know, my reference. Yeah. I would challenge you, get some worship music, get a, get a playlist in your home going. It doesn't have to be loud and proud. It, it can be soft. It can, it can perhaps even just be in the kitchen. It doesn't have to be blaring and blowing throughout the whole house, but get, get some worship music going in your home. I would challenge you get some preaching from pastor, get, get the church podcast, uh, get, get the Bible on audio. There is, there is something about the four walls of our home, hearing the audible word of the Lord, and I, there, there's power in the word, but so many times 
we reference the story of Jesus in the wilderness and, 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 and Satan himself comes to Jesus and, and tempts him. And, and we say that Jesus responded with the word. Well, it wasn't just the word. It was the spoken word. Jesus began to repeat and recite the word to the adversary, not just once, not just twice, but three times, three verses, three mm. verses sent Satan himself fleeing. What would happen if we had chapters rolling in our home continuously? Yeah. What would that's the power of spoken prayers, spoken worship, spoken uh, word of God? I would challenge you be intentional in, in having a, a time in the week. Perhaps it's every day, perhaps it's every other day. Have a time of devotion on top of, of, of services on Sunday and Wednesday, on top of, of these moments right here. Have, have a moment where it's not just Pastor Haddon, it's not just the worship team at Antioch, but you, you take the rightful place as, as the head of your home and you begin to reiterate pastor's vision. You begin to reiterate the things of, of, of the word of God, what he's been speaking, because you know what? There's something about it as a child. When you go back home and perhaps it's in bold conversation in the car on the way back, when you begin to contradict the pastor, when you begin to contradict the word of God, it, that child sees, it hears, it knows, but the opposite is true. A oh, child yeah. knows and because I do. I remember going home and and, and the conversations of our home, the devotions of our home, the Bible studies of our home, reemphasizing and reiterating what was coming behind the pulpit. Because you know what that does? That tells your children, pastor's not crazy. He's not just some yeah. uh, uh, super spiritual dude that's just getting up there and flamboyantly saying all he's. No, no, no. I agree with him. I stand with him. I believe what he's saying and what what our home is abiding by is not just something that is being told to us by an exterior voice called pastor. No, it's something that I'm reiterating on the interior. It's something that I'm vocalizing. Parents, you owe your child that unity for your children to be able to see that alignment with the man of God and with the word of God. And uh, I, I, there, there's so many, my, my brain's just going crazy. I, uh, no. I, I grew up, I grew up in a home where, if, if I got an allowance or if I got birthday money, mom and dad carefully but intentionally asked me uh, when I was going to give my tithes. I didn't know what was happening. I thought that was crazy. I got 20 bucks. I want all 20 bucks. Yeah. And I know someone could say, you know, that's a little rigid. That's a little extreme. But you know what? I'm 26 years old now. And I know the power of tithing. And I know the power of giving because those seeds were Good. planted at a young age. I, you know, where do we start? How, how, how young do you start? Uh, I, I'm convinced that if you're, if you're old enough to be tempted, you're old enough to be anointed. I'm convinced Ooh. that, that, that uh, I, I think heaven comes after uh, someone just as much as hell comes after someone. And so I don't, I don't know what that is for each child, and each person, but I can go back to moments when I, I look back hindsight's 2020. I look back moments as a, as a child when I look back now I didn't see it then but I see it now that that hell was just looking for a foothold and so I want to tell you the world the world has teenage sports stars teenage movie stars teenage celebrities um, there are children that are involved in in gross darkness and sin that have been manipulated by influences hell starts scouting young and yeah. I believe that God, I, I see those temptations. I see those moments. But you know what? I, I also look at those moments, just as Pastor alluded to, moments when I was a young child that I look back now that God was coming after me. Perhaps it was a, a quick dream that I didn't identify. Perhaps it was that still small voice. Perhaps it was just feeling God's presence in my home. Those little moments that God was reaching. Start young. And I would say this, um, uh, and I, I think I, I, I don't, I think I need pastor's permission. I feel like I can guess his thoughts on this, but I feel like in the 21st century, one of the greatest footholds is media and entertainment and, and, and our technology and our phone. And I, I'm, I'm 26 uh, and technology right now is so much more rampant and different and aggressive than it was when even I was young. Yeah. But you know what? I, I thank God. I thank God for parents that, that made some tough decisions 
decisions and, and I'm going to be practical. They, they made decisions like I wasn't going to have access to internet at a young age. I wasn't going to have a smartphone at a young age. And they, they made decisions that, that I could have looked at and said, that's dumb, that's stupid. But you know what? I thank God for it now. Because yeah. you you don't put an AK forty seven in the hands of a seven year old. You don't put a no. you don't put a weapon in the hands of an eleven year old, a twelve year old. And I could keep up going to that age to when to to when we all could agree on when would be fit to handle all that. And so you can't shield them from everything. My my parents they made some decisions. We're we're, we're going to teach you to navigate the river. We're we're not just going to shy away from it, but we're 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 going to do it incrementally. We're 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 going to be intentional about this. We're we're not going to throw you out just as an eight year old, a nine year old, even yeah. a twelve year old, a fifteen year old, a seventeen year old, an eighteen year old. There's yeah. got to be some accountability. There's got to be uh, some wisdom. And saying all that, I feel like <laughs> my parents could not have done much more, and yet I still had battles. So yep. you, you think, oh, I'm shielding my, my, my child. They're going to be sheltered. They, they're not going to know the real world. I promise you they already, and they will know what the real world is. And if you don't teach them, if you're not proactive, I'm telling you, the scouts of hell, they start young. They are looking for every opportunity. I didn't have a perfect home. I didn't have a perfect life. I did not have a life that was without battles, but I did have a parents that made key practical decisions even when other people didn't even when other people said you know what that's dumb that's stupid that's overreach that's that's yeah. overboard and yet i look back as not an old person but a a younger person that's getting older and i cannot look at one thing that my parents did and i can't call it overboard i can't call it uh dumb or stupid i mm -hmm. thank god i thank god for what they put into place and uh, there's so much more I can say, but I, yeah. I'm going to stop there. Yeah. And we have, we have families, Antioch families that, oh, if they, uh, if they had the moment to interject here, they would say that when God first got a hold of them, uh, we, we laugh about it now with their children. When mom and dad went home after a Bible study and the Bible study shook them about entertainment and technology and, and uh, the, the importance of purity in the home. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, television started disappearing because parents started realizing, oh my goodness, uh, what are we giving, you know, our kids access to? You know, we, we raise our kids, you know, don't talk to strangers. You don't go knock on strange doors. And really, that's what television a lot of times ends up being. You're being entertained by strangers and every channel you turn is like knocking on a new door and you don't know what's actually going to be opened up in that door. We had, we had a lot of fun uh, and we joke about it. And we laugh about it. And some of you young, young people that are watching right now, you're smiling right now because I remember the panic and the doom that came over your lives when you realized your <laughs> internet was filtered starting at a certain time of every day. And then you started losing access to iPads and devices and phones and video games. And you thought, Oh my goodness, what is wrong with my mom and my dad? But now you're starting to see the long-term effects. And I can guarantee you right now talking about this, some of our folks, there's tears running down their cheeks because their home became an altar. Yeah, and yeah. it's affected their families. Well, we could, and and just so everybody knows, we had five, I think four other bullet points. <laughs> we, got um, we got through one. We got through one. But uh, I really mean this, Brother Gore. I don't want this to be the last time. And uh, there has been a tremendous anointing that has moved in this in this uh, live zoom this unique time and uh one of the things that i think are important that that down the road um i think are important to hear especially for our young people is the call of god and um that's another thing that that we find tracing throughout scripture in uncertain times samuel heard the voice of god on and on and on and on um so there's a lot of things we could say I want to thank you for the Antioch family and uh, everybody that's watching, Sister Haddon as well, uh, for sharing your time. I know that it is two hours, I think, ahead where you are. So it is almost 1030 for you. 
and he came directly out of a church service. So this isn't uh this isn't something that's easy for Brother Gore to do, but we want to thank you for sharing your ministry with us. And uh, we feel like you have left a, a, a lasting touch. And it's something I'm very big on as a pastor. I want to expose our people to anointing and anointed men and anointed women of God. And we thank you for taking the time to impart into our group of people uh, something that's so, so fresh and so anointed. And uh, wow, what a, what a move of God we felt during this. Amen. And uh, we really do. We will be adding you to our prayer list. And uh, we don't want this to be the last time. Sure. And uh, we definitely want to have times in the future that we get this. And, and I'd love for one day to introduce you to the church in person and uh, get past this distance. But again, thank you, Brother Gore, uh, for your time with us. And uh, we look forward to what God's going to do. And, and we will, in the end, we'll see what we can do moving forward from here. But again, thank you so much. For this opportunity to come with us and talk to us. Well, it's been my honor, and uh, I'm so thankful for what God is doing in y'all's region and through your congregation. And and again, I, I know uh, I don't see uh, everyone's faces. I'm a little jealous. You can see mine, but I can't see yours. Uh, but I have kept up, and that's one of the beauties of technology uh, via social media. And so I do. I feel like I can wholeheartedly say that I do love you all, and uh, I don't yeah. just say that lightly. Uh, I. I use that word a lot, but I use it intentionally, and I, I appreciate what God is doing, and so I'm praying for you all, and uh, we've we've shared some time together in, in, in a small way. It's not been a sacrifice, but I, I feel like I've made a small investment, so there's some, there's some, uh, there's some investment now, and uh, yeah. so I'm, I'm thankful uh, to have a very, very, very small part in, uh, in what God is doing, and, and yes, I will, I will uh, most certainly... Um, I certainly agree that we've got to do it again because we, uh, we got some more points. They were good too. <laughs> they would have just been absolutely out of this world. Oh yeah. Well, the pre the, you know, and our people understand, but the, the preacher moments were starting to happen and uh, stick around this long enough, everybody that's watching and uh, you'll, and I want our young people to get this way. The world gets excited about sports. Right. I want you to watch how preachers and people that get into the word of God, and that anointing starts dropping. There is nothing more raw when the revelation and that spontaneity of the spirit starts to happen in that moment. There's nothing that compares to that. It's a drug unto its own. Amen. And uh, <clears throat> all right. Well, God bless everybody. Thank you for tuning in. I'm going to uh, end this. We will be posting this online again this Sunday. Um, for those of you that have not read it, we're just going to meet as normal at 11 o'clock for service, maintain social distancing. And uh, again, where you are, uh, everybody just say, God bless Brother Gore. And uh, thank you so much, Brother Gore. We'll be in touch with you and we'll look at doing something like this in the future.